take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content, specials, and early access to a longer, uncensored, less than 2,000 experience. And now, Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000. Now part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. we got Chris and Eric with us today, the retrograde amnesia guys, fellow members of the Greenlit Podcast. You are the reason we are in this thing. Thank you very much. I am a big fanboy of yours. I listened to your entire Xenogears uh, podcast series twice, once on Whoa. YouTube and then once on um, uh, Google Podcasts, so that should tell you about how exciting my life is. But it's a great soundtrack for like when you're playing... Uh, RPGs all night long on a weekend or I take hikes all the time and I felt like I felt like you guys were in the same room with me talking because you're just sitting there like drinking beers talking about a game from 20 plus years ago and it's a it's a hell of a format and I'm really glad you know to be here with you guys today yeah thanks for having us on How I, was I, I, think, both. I think the intent of when we started developing that pod the idea for that podcast it was like let's make this a substitute for somebody that wants to reminisce about the game or make it a companion of somebody's playing along for the first time. So we kind of stuck to that, and, and luckily it worked. People liked it. I'm humbled by and apologize for the inspiration. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, we so are. Uh, in, in a year where everything was bad, uh, it was very nice to have, uh, have you know such great reception for the podcast. So uh, thank you and everybody else. And, and you guys are now on uh, season two of Retrograde Amnesia, and you are now doing Chrono Cross. So tell us a little bit about that and your involvement in the Greenlit uh, podcast network that we're a part of now. Open forum to plug your new thing. Uh, Chrono Cross is a heartfelt RPG that's also a collection of circus characters with a great battle system and a convoluted story. There's also, like, you know, a, a, a talking skeleton that we think is funny, and... Hmm. Uh, and, and, and lots of weird characters to unpack and that kind of stuff has been really fun it's just like the overarching plot stuff and the thematics is maybe maybe a little absent but uh, it, it does open the door to kind of talk about like how does this fit into the Chrono Trigger lore and what were they going for here and what could they have done um, so I think it's been a really good idea to I think it was a good idea to do the podcast thank you patrons for voting for that but, um, but it, it, it's not going to be a game that I'm going to be like oh I love this even more now and we're going to plug season three now too, right? Yeah, please go for it. We we actually don't have a uh, a season three selection. We are yet. We are in the middle of running a poll uh, on, on our Patreon, and uh, currently, uh, Final Fantasy VI is beating Final Fantasy VIII by a couple of votes, leaving Final Fantasy VII in the dust. So uh, we decided for season ah. three, we wanted to do a Final Fantasy game, uh, just because those kinds of, those things are the the cornerstone of. Of of everything in, in in JRPGs, so let's like let's let's do one. We said so. We decided to just pick those three, and uh, and we'll see we'll see who wins. Interestingly enough, people don't want to hear any more about Final Fantasy VII. I wonder why that is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just done to death. It's it's been talked about to <laughs> death. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite game, uh, you know, tied with Skyrim. I love it, but it's just like it's done to death. I'd much rather like six. Six is an objectively better game than eight, in my opinion. Objectively, in air quotes. 
But I want to. I'd rather hear eight. I think eight is a more interesting thing to talk about. So yeah. I'm going to become a Patreon just to patron just to uh, vote on eight. And and then I hope uh, maybe season four or five you you maybe go to the Zenasaga because that's a great series too. Yeah, we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens. We we would probably go all Final Fantasies this time and next time go go all maybe non Square or non or at least non Final Fantasies. But um, it's c- kind of hard to say. You got to see where your heart is at that moment, you know. Yeah. Because we we always assumed that season two was going to be Zenosaga, but then you know things things change. People uh, people voted, and, and and here we are. Well, speaking of heart, and 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 you know there was no voting or poll or anything like that, but we did reach out to you guys and ask you what you wanted to talk about on the show today. And you guys chose Transformers, you know, the movie, 1986. What led you to say, that's the movie I want to talk about today? Well, I, I apologize. I didn't even consult Eric on this. I was just like, hey, let's do, uh, <laughs> let's do Transformers. But uh, I knew that, that both Eric and myself have most of that movie memorized just because we've watched it so many times over the years. Uh, you know, just just kind of one of those movies that you know back before you could just put on something from, on the internet or, or a stream. It was just oh, I have the Transformers DVD. I'm going to throw it in the DVD player and just have that thing on in the background and just kind of kind of reminisce about it. So uh, it, I think it was, it was so foundational and in, in, in Transformers itself was so foundational in my uh, in, in my upbringing uh, that it kind of uh, you know it's always it's always a top of mind thing. And and we always we've joked several times I think on our podcast about doing a Transformers podcast. Um, and hey, here's our opportunity to do so. So, uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for saving it. For me, that was always the movie that I would rent on tape whenever my parents took me to the rental store. Like I didn't. It was the thing that I watched over and over again. Eventually, bought on tape. And today, the only movie poster we have in my condo is for that movie, which nice. is it's behind me, but you can't see it. Um, and it's I've probably watched it more than any other movie, but I hadn't watched it in about five, seven years until two nights ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, awesome. Yeah, awesome. I wanted to get what. Well, so, well, you said tape. You said tape. Yeah, I had that on VHS. It's still VH- somewhere. VHS or Beta? I was just going to yeah. ask you which one did you rent. We had a VHS player. I'm a bit. I'm 37, which my parents did not choose Beta at the time. I didn't know what Beta was until like 2000 at that point. Oh, gotcha. What's so cool about it is like for for a children's experience, it is dark AF. It is dark yeah. and trippy yes. and like intentionally super so. dark. And it's like like secret of Nim kind of like darkness to it. Just totally different than say the G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. I mean the movie the opens up with an apocalypse. Yes. I mean it's right there at the beginning. Yes. This time I noticed the musical cues too. When Unicron, the giant planet eating mm-hmm. planet, comes out, it's got a real hard synth beat. Then it goes to that planet, uh, Lithone, and it goes to like almost piano keys, flashes back to Unicron synth beat, and then it merges the two melodies together as it eats the planet. I, boy, I didn't Which really sets that. the tone. Yeah, there's the apocalypse at the very beginning. A whole planet is wiped out. It, like one of the escape pods gets sucked back in, and then the sole survivor gets thrown into a pit of robotic sharks later in the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then later there's that part where they're like dropping Transformers into the purple acid. Yes. And they're like screaming as they're melting. It was like, there's so much death. There was- yes, you said it, Adam. It, it is, this movie is full of executions. And I, I don't think that I, I was prepared to see those executions. Like, because I, I watched this movie, I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago uh, with, with my kids who were, <laughs> I have twins, or they were five at the time, and I was like, "Okay, let's watch Transformers." And I was like, "Oh wait, this movie is full of death and d- 
destruction and war and siege warfare and, and, and occupation and everything. I was like, this this is not... I don't think this is what Hasbro actually ordered. I think they ordered a, a movie that killed off their old toy line to bring on a new toy line and somehow this came out and I think that... I mean, kind of like what we were talking about with Xenogears earlier, what came out of uh, of the premise is something that was something that's quite beautiful and I don't think that was ever the intent. Now, do you do you think that you're you're putting the lens as an adult now where you know what, I mean, we we know the fallibility of life. When you're a kid watching it, when you're 8, were you were you really processing the death or were you just watching Transformers like fight and be badass and and you know, the good and the bad, good versus evil? And it's not until you look back on it, you go, God, that was really f***ing dark. Optimus Prime was a paragon of virtue. And to see him actually... Transformers didn't die in the cartoon ever. No. And then to see him pass away, uh, turn gray, t- the head turns to the left, the kid cries. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that was that was the main event, the preamble. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. But when the first Transformer got shot, Prowl, and his eyes turn yellow, smoke comes out of his mouth, and he falls over. You're like, oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's mm. you don't expect that in what used to be a children's cartoon. This movie played for keeps, which that cartoon show never actually did. I, I was I was curious about the uh, the director of this movie, Nelson Shin. I don't know anything about him other than he, I think he ran a pretty big animation studio. Uh, he's originally from from Korea, and then I, I think he migrated to the U.S. in the '70s. And I was like, what's this guy's background? And I looked it up, and he was born in Japanese occupied Korea, like. Hmm. Four or five, or I think six years before World War II, and I'm like, so I, I wonder if any of that stuff is kind of baked into his DNA. Uh, yeah. To, like, there's just like a, a level of darkness in the world, and that that's going to come out when he makes this movie. The, the Transformers are like so vibrant. Like, I, certainly the, the the cartoon was just like the brightest colors, and and just those primary strong primary colors, and no one died. And then you get this movie, and everything has a darker feel to it. Yeah. Like you still got the primary colors, but there's like a darker hue, and, and everything surrounding it, from the visuals uh, and, and to the script and the performances, are just way more adult and. Dude, Optimus Prime dying was like, I, I, I mean, that was tr- so traumatic. You see that week after week after week, nobody dies on any Saturday morning cartoon or any after school cartoon. And then when his when he turned gray and his eyes went out and he passed on the Matrix, like you said, Eric, they're playing for keeps, man. This is a this is a serious movie, and you're not at all prepared for that when you go into no. it. I, I imagine the, the writers just saying. Guys, we're doing it this time. We're gonna do it. We 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 just had to have these robots fight for four seasons of a cartoon to sell toys, but now we're gonna do it, guys. And they did it. The animation studio had permission to kill off all of the G one line and spared Jazz, Bumblebee, and Cliff Chumper almost for no reason. I don't think Jazz ever appeared in the series again after this, despite living. And then after Casey Kasem quit, Cliff Chumper didn't either. Mm. But I want to get back to what you said about the quality of the animation. Transformers the movie was all I watched in the nineties, and then I bought the tapes like bootlegged off VHS, off eBay in like 99 and was shocked at the quality of the animation in the actual TV show because I had been used to this expensive movie, $5 million movie animation. Mm -hmm. So there's, it is a cut above. I still think the animation in most cases holds up as long as you don't look at that wiki of animation mistakes and memorize all those on accident. (laughs) I love the animation. I, I mean, 
this this is why we, this is why we do this show. There's just nothing that charming. There's nothing the, the computer effects don't have. I love the fact that there is like it's not perfect. And especially I I was really surprised going back and looking at the movie like it seemed like the frames per second wasn't very high. There's a lot of choppiness to it. And I that's that's not a flaw in my opinion. It's it's what makes it charming. And not everything is perfect cuz you got to I believe hand animate every single cell and not everything was perfect so something is slightly off and chunky and and when you've got that much going on with the explosions and the lasers and the fast movements uh it it it, it is hard to get quote perfect but what makes it you know the flaws are what makes it charming and what reminds me of my childhood and and I don't know something like Frozen just doesn't have that feeling and never will you do have to admit, though, there are a couple of like big set piece moments in this movie where the animation is in, in the in the fight choreography and everything is just perfect. Like mm-hmm. the the Optimus Prime versus Megatron battle, like I, I have that almost that entire fight just ingrained into my memory. And and to look at at how that fight was choreographed, I mean, it's only what I don't know a minute and a half long but like there are so many like terrific moments like Optimus Prime does the sweep kick Megatron throws the the uh the the steel rod into his chest which is brutal as hell he uh he, he slices open his guts with like a lightsaber uh and then Prime comes back towards the end with that uh that I don't know upward back smash yeah uh, up smash <laughs> yeah his up smash his upward double axe handle into Megatron's yes. chest to like yes. <laughs> force an unfair fight into a stalemate uh Mm. And it's just like all those all those little moments are crisp, and and you can tell they spent a lot of time on that. It's much. It's funny because like all they had to do with some of the modern, te- we, I don't want to get into too much of the modern stuff, but like all they had to do was just look at that and say, hey, let's do the fights like this. Because in the in the uh, you know the Michael Bay version of of Transformers, you can barely tell what's going on just because the robots are just beating the shit out of each other with like with not even transforming, not even doing much at all, and. None of the choreography is very, uh, you know, feels like it's very, very authored. Well, Michael Bay, literally, it, it's it, there's so much going on, your mind can't even yeah. keep up. It's just, it's insane. One of the things that I noticed from the production value, and and I don't know if this was the first cartoon to do this, but you know, in, in a lot of movies, do this today when you're in an action scene or you're riding in a car, and 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 you the camera's shaking a little mm-hmm. bit to give it that texture and all that. I noticed this, they did this in this movie in the cartoon a ton. Like, in the action, there was actual, like, bumpiness to the frames going on. Like, texture to where it wasn't just choppiness in the left to right. Things were bouncing, making it look way cool. And I think think filmmakers have taken that into live action from this movie. Wow, I never noticed that in this movie. Can we talk briefly about how the Dinobots are like leveraged in this in, in this movie specifically? Please, I, they have like three, I think three critical moments. Like the first moment is of course like the, during the siege of Autobot City when Optimus Prime comes to like equalize the fight. Like he know like Optimus Prime is so good not only because he's this you know awesome soldier with full of virtue, but also he knows like that the great equalizer to any robot battle is to bring the dinosaurs, and he <laughs> brings the dinosaurs, and that kind of like you know get, at least gets that battle to that siege to a stalemate, so that so that he can you know kind of drive the the uh, the Decepticons off. But that that Dinobots versus um, Devastator fight, Mer- Devastator merges for the kill, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the Dinobots kind of you know use their their dual techs on them, or for lack of a better term. And uh, <laughs> and take him out. But later in the um, 
later in the in the movie during like when they are actually fighting Unicron, like the Dinobots jump out of the ship and yes. start beating the shit out of the yes. outside of Unicron, and they With actually do a decent amount of damage. <laughs> yeah. But he gives up and he goes, "Me, Grimlock, need yeah. new strategy." Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> "Grimlock, what are you doing, man? You are actually like ripping out, ri- ripping yeah. this guy's skin off." Yeah, he's like, "Come just on, man!" Punching holes in it, like um, they could have done some more damage there. So yeah, I- I'm really happy that they continue to leverage uh, the. The Dinobots, even though that they were they were one of the first set of, of Transformers that was introduced to uh, to Transformers in like the, in, in the early in the early well, going, and they saved everybody from the Judgment thing, you know. And yeah. The, yeah, that was another heroic save. What do you guys think about the uh, the imagery and, and just everything surrounded the uh, oh. the Quintessen Judge there? Man. I have such strong feelings being a lawyer myself. Like, that always messed with me, like, like just as a kid, like, guilty or innocent. And to be innocent means you get dumped into the pool? That, that, that ruined for a while. Like, I, yeah. I got the definition of that word wrong for, like, at least three or four years <laughs> after. No, I, I did the exact movie. same thing. It confused my interpretation of the justice system. Yeah. Like, I, I thought, like, I didn't realize that it was a clown court or whatever. I just thought that guilty and innocent meant the same thing, and you always die when you're in court. Yeah. It, it, it's it's weird. By, by the way, I think, um, you know, like, Hot Rod is, I think Hot Rod is, is mostly thought of to be, like, a, a dumbass and, and an idiot and, and lame, a lame boy, but... Uh, but I think he has his best line in the, in the entire like his best line in the entire movie is during that execution scene when uh, when the quintessence judge tells him to them to stop talking or they'll be held in contempt of, of court mm-hmm. and he says I have nothing but contempt for this court I'm like hell yeah you go Judd Nelson you got this it's great yeah. I, I, I love that line <laughs> so great speaking of the the quintessence judge did, uh, like the, like dipping into the lore a little bit. I think it's revealed in the subsequent season of Transformers, like that takes place after the movie, that those things created the Transformers. I think in that in, in that particular timeline, I don't remember the specifics about it, but it's weird. Hmm. It, so Hot Rod, in this going back to that point, Hot Rod yeah. is this, this is the this is the movie that made him. Like, I mean, this yes. is this is like Hot Rod is badass, and and of course, like I don't know if you guys watched wrestling in the 80s you're just two years younger than us but of course that always made me think of hot rod roddy piper yeah and like those two guys were like you know like hot rod saves the day and i was always wondering like obviously optimus prime made the mistake by giving the matrix to the wrong dude like you know he just gave the guy that kind of looks like him yeah but um you know Shouldn't they have some idea when Hot Rod picked it up and it like suddenly started shooting out light everywhere? And they're like, there, here there, you go, dude, and it stops. You're you're absolutely right. There are a lot of moments in uh in the movie that hint at the fact that Hot Rod is the the chosen one or whatever. Yeah. Um that moment that you just pointed out, Adam, is a good one. I I, I said like as on my rewatch of this movie, I was like, okay. Hot Rod's the main character of this movie, but it's not really apparent that Hot Rod is the main character of the movie until like the last like ten minutes of it. But mm-hmm. uh, he, he, but I, I was starting to take note that he actually has some pretty good moments in the movie. Like he's the one that puts Cut back together after he gets owned by the uh, the the piranha Squid. sharks or whatever, or the robot fish, and uh, and later during the uh, during the execution, the the, the courtroom scene. Uh, he punches a shark to con in the face and breaks its teeth out, and I'm like, that's yes. pretty good. That's a leadership quality, I think, for, for at least for a you know a war a machine of war. What do we think about like his fighting? Like, okay, so I noticed when he was fighting Galvatron at the end, 
Like his 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 attack is not a gun, is not a laser beam. He's got to like literally turn around and ram it. Like in a cartoon, it works. In real life, I'm sorry, that's just not gonna work. But it's just so cool. Like again, the animation and and one of the great things about cartoons like this is if you can think of it, it's possible. Like mm-hmm. other, you know, giant, you know, Death Star planet eating thing becomes this gigantic robot all these different planets all these different creatures and and it's like if if you want to if you can think of it you can make it happen and some of the animation with 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 the the car hot rod specifically like dodging the dodging and and just doing his attacks just looks so cool yeah hot rod could not be galvatron if it were a fighting game so instead he played twisted metal (laughs) (laughs) until galvatron (laughs) caught the car and choked his head out of it yeah (laughs) I think specifically that last fight, and this this didn't happen in the, in the prime Megatron fight, but in that in that last fight, it, it does like that that fight is choreographed in a way that like uh, I think that has been lost in modern Transformers, at least in the in the in the theatrical versions of them. That there's a lot of transforming in the middle of the fight, like in to and fro, back and forth, and leveraging all the things like you said, the the swerving, the headlights. Galvatron turns into his stupid phallus and shoots him a couple times, and. <laughs> <laughs> and it's stationary. They're, they're going back and forth, and and you know, like I'm almost going back on that thing about the uh, the brutality of this movie. There's a there's a moment when Galvatron is like strang- trying to strangle Hot Rod, and he says something about um, how he it's a pity that Autobots die so easily. Mm-hmm. If only I was given the 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 status or the sat- or thus I might get more satisfaction. Uh, that's dark, man. Like, I, I'm like, oh, okay, he said that. On the Super Nintendad's Entertainment Podcast, catch us grumbling about the news every Monday on the Morning Dadcast, chatting with industry professionals, and most importantly, teaching our kids just how incredible or horrible 80s and 90s video game and pop culture truly was. All right, what else you got? The Sega Slingshot. <laughs> Don't have a cow, man. <laughs> the blast processing was really fast. Why can't Knuckles fly even? Tide Prawn Dough. What does that even mean? Samurai Pizza Cats. Gabe, we almost named you Guido Anchovy. <laughs> Doing a Belvedere requires a set of low hangers. <laughs> right here on Greenlit. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, scientifically possible. or. But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't read Dune! No, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Having thought that he killed Ultra Magnus, too, he says that, you know, first Optimus Prime, then Ultra Magnus, yeah. now, like, yeah, as they he's choking around. him to death. I thought, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that um, Megatron was replaced, because, it, for the purposes of this movie, because week after week after week, you saw him ultimately lose. Like, the end, I, my recollection of the cartoon is they would fight, and at the end, he's got to turn tail and run. So yeah. you couldn't really take him seriously as, like, a main villain of this movie. So I'm glad that they had the intrigue. And that's one of the, that's the word I'd use for a, a, a kid's cartoon. Uh, obviously not on the level of Xenogears, but that intrigue of, like, who's the main villain? You know, it's, you got the Starscream uh, thing going on with with 
uh, Megatron, and then you got Galvatron versus Unicron, and and and, and the bad guys. There's no honor among thieves, and, and you got that sort of like cloak and dagger between the bad guys. Yeah. And and, and and you had to make you had to get rid of Megatron and make him something else because I don't know if the movie would have worked. I think I think that happened in the GI Joe movie too. Like Cobra Commander, get out of here. We need a bigger threat because you get your ass kicked every effing week. Yep, you got to make room for Leonard Nimoy as well. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> there's a cast in this movie. Yeah, uh, final performance of Orson Welles recorded a month before he died. Oh, dude, Let, let's talk about that. I mean, oh. you know, you got Eric Idle too. Like, yeah, that, yeah. What a what a great little like his character is great too, and that of course leads to the Dare to Be Stupid dance yes. with uh, to Weird Al's Dare to Be Stupid with <laughs> you're on like this junk planet with robots and dinosaurs dancing with each other. They go to that wide shot where they're all just in a circle and dancing to the, yeah. Dare to Be Stupid. They make a circle pit while they dance around them. It's great. <laughs> to to wrap up the the thing about the voice actors, Robert Stack, of course. Yeah. Like this is this is an A list cast. I mean, this is this Orson Welles was amazing in this role. Like his voice is great anyway, but then you add all the extra reverb and bass to it. And I yeah. I didn't know it was a month before he died. That's that's incredible. This they they really went all out. They spared no expense. Clearly with the voice acting because i guarantee you those people didn't do the series i also want to mention uh susan blue as rc was pretty good uh scatman crothers obviously as jazz and his little bit (laughs) apart and then buster jones as uh blaster was very good too was it the micro machines guy was he was he blur john mashita yeah he was blurred he actually stayed on for the cartoon everybody all the celebrities left he kept on with the cartoon and then Chris Lotta as Starscream was at 100 the entire time, too. That yeah. guy's voice is iconic for villains in the 80s for me. Starscream, dude. What, like, you got that treachery, you got the wearing... Man, that was just a, a nice little thing you don't usually see. Chat, get in on this. It wasn't just the A-list cast that, that was so awesome. The music all the way through oh, yeah. is absolutely incredible. I mean, it had 80s rock all the way throughout. It had the other stuff that you guys were talking about, the synth music. I mean, just it had not just the score, but it had the awesome 80s music in it. So you put all that together, and it just makes the movie kick ass. Can I share my favorite lyric? Please. So Please. when the Decepticons bust in that ship and kill Prowl and Brawl and Ironhide and Ratchet... It's, it plays a, like a hair metal track by a band called the NRG, which I've never heard of before. But I looked up the lyrics to that, and they're wonderfully like 80s future war cynical. Here, <laughs> flying tools of torment will penetrate the sphere, erupt the rock of ages, bringing the final fear. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means awesome. <laughs> instruments of destruction, tools of foul play. It's a vile interruption. Existence drifts away. That's great. It's a song about dying. It's great. To, and like at the end of the song, the guy just starts screaming over and over. It's a, it's a wonderful tune. And then um, a band called Kickaxe does two songs. One is Dare. The other is um, not Dare to be Stupid. There's a song called Dare. It's yeah, when yeah. Cup it's and like Hot Rodder underwater. Yep. Yeah. Dare yeah. pairs well with, with how... Because they play it when when Hot Rod is is first introduced when he's driving up the mountain, and sure. they play it again when the ship is uh, busting into Unicron's eyeball later in the later in the uh, in the movie. And then of, uh, nothing's going to stand in our way is the other song. Yeah. And then of course, who could forget Stan Bush's "You Got the Touch"? Yeah, because we've got that you know from the Boogie Nights movie. I yes. love the fact that that Mark Wahlberg sings that later, and this is you know that in the continuity of that movie. 
that happened before 1986. So yeah. my head canon is that Dirk Diggler wrote "You Got the Touch" and it somehow ended up in the Transformers. Yeah, movie. Transformers. I mean, they stole it from him. Eric, did you have anything about Starscream's coronation? Because we 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 kind of like glossed over the 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 kind of Starscream subplot. I mean, it's only like a few scenes, but I think it's terrific. It's beautiful vengeance. The Constructicons blow trumpets despite not having mouths. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's just a wonderful scene of this. The, the heel character finally takes over, gets a crown, which you've never seen him even wear. He's wearing a cape. He finally has everything that he's ever wanted, and it's over in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even get a reason. He just says, Megatron, is that you? He says, here's a hint, and then it destroys his existence. <laughs> I mean, later he would come back as a robot ghost, but we didn't know that at the time. Well, yeah, it's beautiful. Starscream, uh, they, another really dark moment, Starscream, and, and they take the vote to just jettison the, 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 the broken ones or the beat up ones. And it's like, I'm still functional. And just yeah, yeah. The, spacing them. The, the entire scene inside Astro Train when the Decepticons are leaving the, uh, the Autobot City Siege is is terrific because it, it's a really short scene and first of all all these transformers are piled into it inside of a transformer that's the exact same size of them so we're <laughs> we're messing with we're the, not talking about that the, the space time stuff yeah, going on here already it. that's happening and then inside of there there's a mutiny like they discuss darwinism and survival of the fittest and then a bunch of dumbasses started fighting each other it's just yes. It, Devastator forms inside of the ship. Yes. But also, it starts off as a train. If you watch when it takes off, it does a 180 into spaceship mode. So I just pictured everybody sliding down the walls as it turns around to launch into space. Well, and you saw a characterization there, too, like with, with Soundwave saying, no, I'm smarter or whatever. I'm better than you. And they're like, no one wants you. Oh, you're yeah. just a yes man or whatever. You're not a leader. And I'm like, they, yeah, it, that's that's right. In fact, they call, his him, army. they call him uncharismatic, and then Rumble yes. pops out of his chest and goes, don't call him uncharismatic, and I thought that was a great <laughs> gag. Like, there's there's a lot of real subtle gags in this movie that you that you either don't remember or just don't don't expect to see. And in fact, I watched it this this time with, with uh, captions on just so I wouldn't miss any of that weird stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, uncharismatic, what a great little thing. When there. Devastator hits the Brontosaurus Dinobot with his with his double hand fist, his eyes fall out of his head like a like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> There's it's one of those subtle touches where I'm like, y'all did this on purpose. Yeah. Somebody likes Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny. Any any parts of it that you just can't stand? I know we've we've talked about a couple things, but I mean, any parts that you just like every time you get to it, you're like, ugh, this part. Where, where are we on Wheelie? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's fine. I think Wheelie's fine. Like I, I know he he gets. I, I think he gets shit on a little bit, but I, I think Wheelie's okay. Like his voice is even funny. Like I like how he's got yeah. that little weird synthesized child voice. Who's yeah? I'm not sure how I feel about child Transformers. I think they should be born as adults, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I mean that. Yeah, <laughs> that does bring up the question: like, do Transformers age? Because you have Cup in this movie, and he's telling his old Cup's war old stories, and he's yes. got the old man face. Yes, and then you also have Wheelie, who Grimlock specifically refers to Wheelie as a boy. So I'm like. Are we aging here, or are we just born this way? I don't. I don't know. So, if you there's actually some test footage from this movie included in a Japanese like distribu- distribution thing they made to sell it on Japanese theaters, and there's some not final scenes. And on the scene where Cup explains the war stories, the Dinobots, he walks very slowly, like an old man, almost like Yoda, as he kind of hobbles around. Mm. Do either of you know the universal greeting off the top of your head? Yes. Not doing it. I'll do please, it. Please. Ah, weep, grana, weep, Yes! Give us another one so we can layer them together. Okay. Ba weep, grana weep, ninibong. 
That's awesome. Can we <laughs> can, can we talk about that for a second? Yes. Because <laughs> I, 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 I did think about like what is the universal greetings like larger purpose in the movie? And the answer is, I mean, I think you, you said this earlier, Chad, the movie's only an hour and 25 minutes and like you need a way to like resolve something and quickly get to the next set piece. So there's two specific mm-hmm. instances when the, in, w- in which that's used. They use it when they first meet the Sharktacons or whatever, uh, and then they later use it with the Junkions. And that, like, there's... I, I think they probably could have spared an extra five or ten minutes to, like, figure out how the Autobots and the Junkions were going to work, but they just say that, they start a dance party, and then all of the Junkions <laughs> start running to the ship, and uh, they, they, they have no plan to kill Unicron, but they are just running to the ship in unison saying... Kill the Grand Poobah, eliminate even the toughest stain, and then battle yeah. begin. Mm. Let's go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, They're motivated to uproot their entire civilization to fight a galactic evil just on the basis of one conversation. It's pretty incredible, actually. Of a greeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of a yeah. greeting. Like, <laughs> a universal greeting, and then let's go. Yeah, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't play well if you if you if you they think get too crushed hard about to it. death. Yeah, going back to the, uh, I think we could, I think we could maybe put that into the things that you kind of toss. Uh, it doesn't maybe bother you entirely, yes. but it's not great. It's not the universal greeting. It's the universal hand wave. Like, let's just get yeah. to the next moment. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being on and 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 joining us. It, it was awesome to get to get to your level of a deep dive on our show. Is is awesome. So I, I was listening to your all's. Uh, uh, action figure episode I think it was from a, a couple of months ago mm-hmm. and uh, you guys started talking about Ninja Turtles and I was like hmm. yeah that's Chad <laughs> Chad was the turtles guy like that's I, all I, he I, had I, my, my turtles uh, uh, love has reawakened recently because my kids got into him pretty pretty uh, pretty hardcore so all that all that stuff's come full circle for me yes that's amazing so I haven't Sorry to do this to you guys. I haven't done this. I haven't seen it. I refuse to. I've seen the trailers. It's enough for me to know that does not remind me of my childhood Transformers. F*** it. I'm never watching the Marky Mark Wahlberg version of the new Transformers. Am I missing out? I, no. I, I Should I watch it or not? You should watch I Bumblebee. Seen it. Eric, see, I knew we were kindred spirits, brother. Well, you know the the you've seen Memento, the the Polaroid that says "Don't believe his lies." I have that in my wallet with Michael Bay's picture on it. So, <laughs> but what Chris, uh, well, Pain and Gain's a good movie. That's beside the point. What Chris said, Bumblebee. I have seen that. That is a very good movie. You will watch Bumblebee, and it has enough in it to appreciate. Bumblebee it's, it's sort a very of good-hearted redeemed movie. what Michael Bay had been yeah. doing. Yeah, it, it's a make good, and I don't think it made any money. And I think they're rebooting the continuity, so or not. It made money, but not enough money. So it was kind of disappointing yeah. to see it go that way. Well, for everyone who's checking out the free version, you know, you've heard us talk 30, 35 minutes about this. For those of you listening on Patreon, we've gone well over an hour on this. If you want this like level of analysis, you've heard these guys, Eric and Chris retrograde amnesia they're part of the greenlit podcast network that we are now proudly a part of um if you like video games xenogear specifically you'll have as much content as the game itself to listen to uh check it out they're now doing uh, chrono cross they got more stuff to come super intelligent well researched and funny guys absolute pleasure to have you on the show Thank you so much for joining us. And if I could just end by saying, till all are one. Till all are one, my friend. Till all are one. <laughs>